by letting you into a little secret about me. Well, it's something I don't talk about a lot. Um, it's a little bit personal for me, but um, I have uh, I have distal hyperextensibility. Uh, I know you're looking a little bit strange. Do you want to see it? But no, this is true. It's true. I have a condition called distal hyperextensibility. Do you want to see it? Ready? Yeah. You ready? This is it. It's a thing. It's a thing. Most people's thumbs kind of yeah. go like that, right? They go straight. You know what? They go straight. My mum has it as well. Right. We noticed it when we were in camp. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a thing. Some people call it some people call it hitchhiker's thumb, but it's called distal hyperextensibility when your thumb uh, goes like way back like that. It's a genetic thing. Um, so if your mum has it, there's a chance someone else does in your family. You don't, but um, my dad has it. And I'll tell you a funny story. Um, my dad is adopted. And my dad only discovered his biological father um, a few years ago. So my dad's 70. Or like when my dad was 70, he met his dad for the first time. He was like 90 then. The two of them met. They'd never met before in my dad's life. They met. And I remember... I'm talking to my dad after he's met his dad for the very first time. Comes back and uh, I'm saying, how was it and whatever. And there, you know, dad's like, well, you know, we discovered all this stuff, you know, about each other. And then my dad said, and Clive, that's the name of his dad, Clive has the thumb. He has this. Like my dad could look at his dad and go, look, look, see, we do. You are my dad because we've got this, this genetically thing. Um, it's actually not that rare. I don't, it's about, um, I did look this up. It's about... Somewhere between 15 and 30% of the population have distal hyperextensibility and can do that weird thing with their thumb. So um, it's not like that crazy unique, um, but it is one of those... Everyone's got those weird things, don't they? Those things that are just you. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's got those, those weird little party tricks that only you can do. Well, that's mine, right? Um, it's just, this is just one of the things that makes me kind of a bit different, that makes me me. We're in a series uh, where we're exploring what God thinks about you and about me. Because um, we often wonder, don't we, we wonder what other people think of us. You know, you go, come home from school and you think, I wonder what those, those guys at school, I wonder what they really think of me. You know, when I'm not there, what they, what they really think about me. I wonder what the boss really thinks about me at work. I wonder what my family really thinks about me, my friends, others, what they really think of us. But I wonder, do we ever wonder, like, what God really thinks of us. Because in church, we talk a lot about what we think about God. We talk a lot about, you know, this, this, is, this is sort of who God is, and, and, and that's a good thing to do. But in this series, we're going to talk about what God thinks about us. If I could take God out for a coffee and ask him what he thinks about you, if I could take God out for a coffee and ask him what he thinks about you, I wonder what he would say. And we've talked about a number of things that God would say about us, but I want to talk uh, today about something that, that I know God would say about every one of you. Uh, something that absolutely God would say about me, he would say about you, and I don't, even if I don't know very much about you, I know God would say this about you. God would say, you are unique. You are absolutely unique. We're going to jump into the Bible and look at something that Paul wrote over 2,000 years ago. Paul was a key leader in the early church, the very first church that started after Jesus uh, was died and resurrected. Paul was a leader in that church. Um, Paul was only a young man when Jesus was resurrected. Um, 
We don't know if Paul ever saw Jesus before his crucifixion, but we know that after the resurrection, Paul had this amazing encounter with Jesus. Some sort of, it's a bit sketchy, but some sort of dream, vision. Jesus somehow appeared to Paul and it was so real for Paul that it totally turned his life around. And Paul went like in an instant, he went from being someone who hated Christians, hated the church, thought it was all a pack of you know, lies, load of rubbish. And in an instant, he became someone who was passionate about Jesus, who loved his church and he spent the rest of his life encouraging the church and helping it to grow and sharing the good news about who Jesus was and what he'd done for people. And about 20 years after he had that life-changing experience of Jesus, Paul writes a letter to a church. It's one of the churches that he sort of started and and, has a, a connection with. And he writes this letter. And he writes to the church about the uniqueness of every person in the church. And he does that by comparing their church to a human body. I want you to read this in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I want you to read what Paul writes to this church. He said, The body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of... Sorry, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, uh, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, uh, sorry, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God's put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And he finishes this part by saying this, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says that the church, uh, the God's people, the God's people, the church, are like a human body. Every part's different, every part's unique, but every part has a role to play. Your eye does one thing, your ear does another. The eye can't say to the ear, well, you know, you can't see, so you're not valuable. The ear can't say to the eye, well, you can't hear because you're not valuable. We, We can't see without our eyes, we can't hear without our ears. And he says that those parts that seem less presentable or less honourable, you need them too. If you don't know what he's talking about, have you ever been constipated? Right? That's what he's talking about, right? He's saying those parts that you think they're less presentable, those parts that you don't want to talk about, you need them too. They have a part to play, right? 
And if they don't work, you know, things get ugly. Right? He's saying every part of your body, don't look at me like that. That's what Paul's saying. He says every part of your body, every part of your body has a special part and you need every part. You only work when all the parts of your body are doing the unique thing that they were designed to do. Paul's saying to the people in that church, he's saying, you are unique. You have something special to contribute. He's saying about every one of us, you are unique. That's what God thinks about you. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this before and you're probably like, yeah, 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 God thinks I'm special. You know, I know this, I get it, I get it. But there's actually two, there's actually two really important things. There's really two really important aspects of your uniqueness that you might not have thought about before. And I want to talk about each of those this morning. The first thing that you need to understand about your uniqueness is that God doesn't think you're unique because of what you can do. He doesn't think you're unique because of how you look. He doesn't think you're unique because of something special that you've achieved. You are unique simply because God made you that way. It's really, really important that you understand that. You are unique because God made you and you're his. That's why we actually, that's why we started this series, the first week in this series. We talked about God's uh, opinion. God's thought that you are his child. Because the, the, the fact that you are a child of God, that you are created by him and you're his, that's like the foundation for all this other stuff that God thinks about you. You are unique because God created you that way. You were born unique. Actually, you were unique before you were born. A thousand years before Paul wrote that letter, a thousand years before Paul wrote that letter, David wrote Psalm 139. The, the Psalms, this Psalm is actually, it, it, it's like a poem. It might even be the lyrics to a song um, that, that David writes. Um, and homework for you, if, if you don't know it or haven't read it in a while, um, go home, find Psalm 139, somewhere in the middle of it. Read the whole thing. It's not very long. It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a beautiful poem about the way that God's created you. I just want to read you a little bit from around the middle of it. Psalm 139 from verse 13. This is David's poem about you. For you created me, talking about God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Poetic language to say, as I was being formed, when I was just, you know, when I was, when I was a couple of cells inside my mother, you knew me, God, and you were creating me, even at that moment in my life. He goes on, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me, in other words, my whole life were written in your book, before one of them came to be. It's really important to understand that God thinks you're unique 
and special just because of who you are. And he thought that about you before you were before you were born, like, like when, when you were a cell, when you were a couple of cells, God knew you. He knew everything about you. And he thought you were amazing. And the reason it's really important for you to get this is because we live in a world that says you're special because of the way you look. You're special because of your friends. You're special because of what you wear. You're special because of the job you do. You're special because of the talents you have. You know, you're special because you can sing great. You're special because, because you're fantastic at that sport. You're special because you've been there and you've done that. You're special because you hang out with this group of people. You're special because you've achieved this or done that or because you've got these grades. And if there's any of that going on in your life, you need to hear today that God knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were even you. And he created you to be totally unique. There are almost 8 billion people on this planet right now. Smart people have calculated that over the entire history of the world, 107 billion people have existed. And there's never been another you. 107 billion people from the beginning of time until now, and there's never been another you. You know, and even you might hear some people say, oh, oh, everyone's, everyone's got a twin. You know, there's someone who looks just like you. Even if someone looks just like you, you know what? They speak French and they live in Quebec, right? There's no one just like you. There's no one exactly like you. There's never been anyone exactly like you. And no matter how long this world continues for, there will never be anyone exactly like you. God has made you to be absolutely one of a kind. And honestly, someone listening to this needs to get up in the morning, every morning, and look in the mirror and say, God has made me unique. And I want to tell you, please don't just nod and agree with this and go, yeah, 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 I'm unique, I get it, I get it. When you really get this, when you really understand this truth in here, not just in here, this truth will change your life forever. That the God who created the entire universe created you. He made you to be completely unique. He absolutely loves you and he thinks you're awesome for no other reason than that you are you. It's the first thing that you have to understand about your uniqueness. The second is this, that your uniqueness has a purpose. You're not just unique by accident. Your uniqueness has a purpose. My dad has a house by the beach, and and the, the beach near his house has these rocks, these stones, these pebbles on it. Millions of them, probably tens of millions of these stones. And, and every one of those stones is unique. 
You know, the way that the, the, the randomness of the, the waves washing on them and the, the surf crashing on them means that none of those two stones are unique. But it's completely by accident. The uniqueness of those stones has absolutely no purpose. It, it doesn't matter that one's larger and one's smaller and one's pointier and one's rounded. But your uniqueness has a purpose. Your uniqueness has a purpose, and that purpose is other people. And this is really important to understand because we live in a world that says that your uniqueness is about you. You know, you're special and you're different and that's for your benefit. You know, you do you. You live your best life. You do whatever you want with you because you're special. But did you listen to the way that, that Paul described the body? He said that God's put the body together, this is, was in verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. He's saying the parts of your body are designed to work together. That's the way a body works. They're, they're designed to work together. The purpose of their uniqueness isn't division, but it's unity. And the purpose of your uniqueness isn't you. The purpose of your uniqueness is us. I'm not different so that I can do my thing. I'm not unique for me. I'm unique for us. I'm unique so that I can take my unique thing and together with your unique thing, we can do something beautiful together. together. My uniqueness and your uniqueness come together to create the whole. Your uniqueness has a purpose and it's not you, it's us. If we would have read a little bit more of 1 Corinthians uh, 12, we would have read Paul saying, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit, in other words, the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit of God that's in you, to each one of us, the presence and the purpose of God in your life is given for the common good. That what God gives you is for the common good. Uh, Peter, who was another leader in the early church, uh, you know, kind of lived around the same time as Paul, they met a few times. Peter wrote a letter and he wrote the same thing. He was teaching the same thing to another church. And he wrote this. He said, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each one of you should take whatever gift, whatever uniqueness God's put inside you and you should use it to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10, if you're, if you're writing it down, taking notes. Here's the point, that God has made you unique, but he has made you unique and special so that you can use that uniqueness to serve and to encourage and to love on and to lift up and to support and to build up other people. It's not about you, it's about us. It's not about me, it's about us. You are created unique to serve others in a way that only you can do. I mean, do you ever think about that? Of all, the, of all the 8 billion people on the earth, there are some things that only you can do. And you might think, well, look, you know, I play the flute, but there's lots of people that play the flute. Yeah, well, that's true. 
But do you ever think like, like, you know, I can play the flute, but then I can also do something else. And I've also got this experience in my life. And I'm also connected to these people. And I live in this place. You know what? Do you ever think that there's no one on the planet that has that perfect combination of uniqueness? So while you say, yeah, well, there's, well, you know, I'm good at maths, but there is someone else who's better at that than me. And I'm good at the flute, but there's someone who's better at that than me. And I'm good at soccer, but there's someone else who's better than that than me. That's all true. But when you take all of the things that are unique about you, where you live and who you're connected when you put all of that together, there's no one on the planet that is better. There's no one on the planet that can do all of those things packaged together like you can. You are absolutely unique. You are created by God. You are created unique by God. You are born that way. It has nothing to do with anything you can do. It has nothing to do with how smart you are or how you look or who you're connected to. You are created by him to be unique and you're created by him to be unique with a purpose. And that purpose is to mix your uniqueness with the uniqueness of others so that together we can find our purpose, so that together we can find wholeness. That's actually, that's actually one of the key purposes of the church. Do you, do you ever think about that? I mean, you can listen to worship music at home, right? You can read the Bible on your own. You can watch a YouTube sermon. The purpose of coming together as a church is this is that so that we can be the church together. So that you can take your uniqueness and your uniqueness and yours and mine and that together we can do something beautiful. This is the good news about what God thinks about you. The good news about you is that Jesus came and Jesus lived and died because he loved you and he wanted to rescue you. And he did that because he created you. He did that because you're his child and he loves you so much. He did that because he created you unique. He created you with a purpose. With a purpose to come together with other people, to serve and to love and to encourage one another so that together with others you could do something extraordinary with your life. And I really mean that. So, you know, sometimes we say, oh, you know, I'm going to do something extraordinary with my life. You know, and then the truth is you go home and you think, probably not, I'm probably just an average guy, right? But honestly, the truth is, when you will take, when you will embrace and discover the uniqueness that God's put inside you, and when you will bring that together with his church, with other people, there is truly something extraordinary, extraordinary that you can do. And we believe that because God is extraordinary, right? 